Everything Sequel is brought to you by Slater's 5050. It's burgers, Jim, but not as we know it. Jim. Jim! Everything Sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello everyone and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast, the Back to the Future edition. My name is Michael Schantz, I'm here in Pacific Beach, baking in the closet once again. With me, as always, is the magnificent, the wonderful Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hi Tom. I think he took his wallet. That guy gets so much screen time. <laughs> hey, is he's span, like the only a, new character in that film. Yeah, in a span of like two minutes. That guy is just all over the place. Well, here we are. We're talking about the Back to the Future sequels today. But of course, first, we are going to have to rank these movies and we're going to have to declare them good or bad. Uh, I'm super excited for Back to the Future uh, and its sequels. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I really am. I think uh, I think there's a lot of firsts in here for us. This is like the first time we're examining the uh, last two movies in a trilogy. All right. Um, and uh, it's a sequential trilogy, so we're like, you know, we're um, we're following a continuing story through these films, which is something that's not happened yet for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all made by the same director, so that's another. Yeah. That's something unique to the to the Back to the Future series. Uh, that that doesn't always happen. No, and I I I I can only think of a handful of other examples where that happens. So it's, sure. it's kind of it's interesting to see like um, you know these movies as they work as a body of work, but we're kind of we're removing the head. So how right. is that, yeah exactly how is that going to work analytically? Right. <laughs> Well, of course, we're talking about Robert Zemeckis and his three movies, Back to the Futures 1, 2, and 3. The first, Back to the Future, is sort of a seminal movie for myself. Um, You know, in my mind, it just didn't get better than Back to the Future when I first saw it. How about you? Yeah, and I think um, it's... uh, That's... That's something that, that we have to take into account. I mean, we try not to talk too much about the original, but right. but these films talk about the original, so we have right. to. Right. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, get into the meat of it. Let's rank these movies. Which one do you like better of the sequels, two or three? Um, uh, I'm going to go two, three. All right. This was difficult for me. Yeah. But I'm going three, two. Good. I'm glad you did. I, I'm glad most, you did. I, I feel like on a different day, I could have done that, too. Yeah. You know, I, th- I feel like most people think the second movie is the better movie. Like, I, I feel like the, the third movie gets shortchanged quite a bit mm. as not being as good. But um, I, I just think that movie's delightful. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's interesting. I think for years and years, I just, I, you know, I accepted it as a rule of thumb that the third movie was better. But rewatching, uh, rewatching them for for these purposes, I kind mm-hmm. of I kind of flipped. Okay, interesting. Well, we're gonna have to talk about that, obviously. <laughs> now, are are we both in agreement that both these movies are good? No. Oh. 
See, this is where this is where it gets difficult. This is I've so you're literally saying this. that 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 three is a bad movie. Um, no, I think th- <laughs> it's this is very complicated. Oh, now I'm fascinated. Now I'm fascinated. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, what's happening? Holy shit! <laughs> Explain yourself. Um, I, I'm gonna say I, I I think two is a bad movie, and and three is a good movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yet you like two better than three. Do I have that right? Uh, in the in the series, <laughs> yeah, uh, against each other, yes. Fascinating. All right. I don't quite. Well, I, I, declare... I, feel, I feel like I feel like. I'm trying to illustrate a greater point by doing this. I'm not quite <laughs> sure what that point is just yet. Uh, neither does our audience, I'm sure. <laughs> I know I'm lost. Um, you know, there are things that bother me about the second movie, um, but I still think it's a good movie. Um, it's just it's just too much fun to say that it's a bad movie. So I declare each movie, two and three, as good movies. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about Back to the Future 2, mm-hmm. 1989. This movie had a $40 million budget and uh, grossed 119 here in the good old U.S. of A. and 346 million worldwide. This is a this is a movie that made money. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's interesting because um, we I, I was all when I used to watch this as a kid. I used to watch the trilogy, you know, pretty much back to back. In fact, watched it, watched it back to back in a, a movie theater once as well, like in one night. Um, oh, which nice! Is a hallucinatory experience, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> you never need to see another lightning strike in your life. <laughs> right, you're, but, you're um, covered. Yeah, because what struck me as uh, the first surprise I had was that this is 1989. And the mm-hmm. original movie is what eighty five, eighty five, yeah. So that's a big, big gap, uh, right? And, and I, the biggest I reason these all three ma- movies were made back to back, but only two and three were correct. And um, you know, I remember reading the producers saying that uh, the final scene of Back to the Future, everyone assumed it was trying to set it up for a sequel, but they claimed, but they were they claimed they just c- considered it a joke. Yeah. Like a joke ending. Um, right. I mean, you know, the, my first reaction to that is I call bullshit on that. But then when you realize that <laughs> it, it was like there was a four-year gap uh, and when you realize some of the problems that that ending causes for the beginning of Back to the Future 2. Really messes it up. I mean, that's one of the things <laughs> that just drives me nuts about Back to the Future 2 yeah. is... The ending to Back to the Future, which is a fantastic ending it is, yeah. for a single movie. Yeah. Um, but once you take a next step and decide to make a sequel, it causes all kinds of story problems. Well, yeah, and, and that's that's where we start. Um, they they do a shot-for-shot reconstruction of that sequence. and um, But the actors choose to do it differently right yeah they punch in which new is, line readings yeah because... which makes it strange it, it makes it kind of a, there's a disconnect there there is yeah so and they so they they have to they have to put in the these new uh because you know um so it, it makes me wonder it makes me wonder whether you know they they weren't angling for a sequel and it really was a joke um i'm kind of on the fence about that well, Zemeckis, my understanding of what I've read was Zemeckis and I think his name's Robert uh, Gale, yeah. 
Falcao, yeah. Um, they did not have an interest in making sequels, but the studio very much did, and then they both decided, well, we'd rather be in control of it ourselves than let them do anything with it, and so that's why we'll do it. And then the long wait was because um, Zemeckis was making um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm. So everybody I don't know why wait. that movie would take so long to make. Right. <laughs> One interesting story I read was that uh, Michael J. Fox didn't even realize that they were going to make sequels until he was watching the original on VHS and they had added um, something at the end of the tape that said, uh, you know, uh, the story will continue or something like that. And he had to call agents and say, uh, so are we making more movies? Oh, and I wow. should be in it. Should I not? Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I always thought it was bullshit. It was just a bullshit thing that movie producers say. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I think, I think like when you, um, when you real when you watch, because these two, because two and three are made back to back, and that right. really shows they really work together as a unit. You know, yes. and and one. One, two, and three—they speak to each other, but they—they, they, you know, there's a lot of retconning that has to go on for us to get into Back to the Future Two. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um. So, we're, we've talked about the beginning. We've kind of talked about that disconnect. Yeah. You know, you have that idea of it feels kind of like a serial. You know, yeah. uh, like a like a serial kind of movie or program. Uh, it picks up right where it left off, and we're going into the future. Um, what do you think? The, 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 you know, Robert Zemeckis is kind of famous for saying he doesn't, he didn't, you know, never really wanted to have to go into the future because movies that predict the future always get it wrong. Mm. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's supposed to be the year 2015, and of course, uh, you know, they overshot it a bit. Uh, yeah, in some respects. they Weirdly, they get a lot of incidental details right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Cubs victory, um, the only one year off. Interestingly, yeah. the peripher- prolifer- proliferation of sequels into endless uh-huh. franchises, the return of 3D. Yes, um, but uh, I wonder, you know, if you just keep throwing stuff at the future, some of it's going to stick to the wall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some things fall a little flatter, like uh, uh, gentlemen wearing two ties. Right. <laughs> As part of their wardrobe choice, well, it's yeah, and I think uh, you see this is this is why this this is why I, I struggle with this movie because I, I, there's so much that I I can't make my mind up about whether it's a good or a bad choice. Like part of me thinks okay, so the tell idea me tell me about that making it like a uh, making the future and nostalgia, you know, having a nostalgia for the eighties and cafe eighties and these antique right. stores is a really good idea because then you you avoid that problem that Zemeckis talks about about you know predicting the future. But in sure. the other hand, you know, you're regurgitating so much from the original movie um, that that it seems like a little bit of a cop out as well. Right, because you were really upset about Jaws too, and it uh, <laughs> just. <laughs> Just, just kind of repeating the sequel, or rather repeating the original. Yeah. Well, and then this is it, you know. And every every time that they reuse footage from the original movie, or they call back to a gag from the original movie, or or kind of repeat a setup or something like that, I, I have the same internal conflict where I think, you know, is this just a kind of like a 
um, a, a souped-up version of you know re of of this kind of regurgitating the original in the sequel, or is it self-aware? Is it is it actually making? I think a it's really self. That? Yeah, I think it's really self-aware, yeah. and that's the one thing that I really like about Back to the Future Two is it's extremely self-aware and just filled with you know sort of delightful jokes when the when the the, the you know Marty and and Doc go into the future. Uh, with Jennifer, I might add, which is, uh, you know, I think one of the the things that doesn't work. <laughs> well, know. even, I yeah. mean, he, uh, Bob Gale always said that, and there's even a line in the movie where Marty says, then what did you bring her for? <laughs> exactly right, you know. And you can kind of see all the, the problems um, in this movie. They, they, they present themselves in the script itself. Like, they comment on it, which yeah. is interesting. But having said that, you know, when the entire chase sequence happens out of the Cafe 80s diner and it's just a repeat of the exact same chase we had in the first one, it's still delightful. Mm. And you even have Biff saying, there's something really familiar about all of this. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that sort of I, self-awareness, I, I, I think, works. that's enough, but um, I'm, I'm gl- I am glad it's there. It's, it's, it's fun. I mean, it, it's, you know... It, it's nice that these movies do speak to each other, that, that they don't let that stuff pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, that was my big problem with Jaws 2. It's like we're, we're acting as if none of this ever happened before when it happened exactly the same way before. Well, everybody but Brody. <laughs> well, yeah, Brody but, is... he's, but, he's, but he's doing the same. He's got the same shtick, too. Um, right. And he's not really, yeah, he's, it's... Uh, so it's an it, it's it's kind of interesting in that respect, but um, but uh, it lean it, you know actually I mean that the, the the first half of the movie leans less on the original than the second half of the movie. So yeah, um, kudos for that. But we don't have a lot of kind of original material. We have a kind of um, a, like a everything is a variation or a spin on what right. we've already seen. Well, but, and the um, one thing that always kind of bothers me about the second one is, um, you know, they are often making, they're making choices that clearly uh, sort of develop into a problem that didn't need to be a problem. Like, we needed to get to Marty's and Jennifer's, you know, home, current home in 2015. Right. Um, but the only way to do that is to put her outside next to the garbage, outside <laughs> I, I, of the I gotta car. I got to say, I mean, we, we talk about... And there's just no reason to not keep her in the car. We, like, why, you we, know? We've not even addressed the political side of that, which is, like, how badly women and minorities are treated in this, these movies. Correct. <laughs> and, you know, I, I made a note that between what happens to Jennifer and um, uh, Mrs. McFly in the course of this movie, women are just passed back and forth as objects between men. Yeah, yeah, completely. <laughs> they are like props, um, at least in this movie. Maybe Clara does something to change that, but not much. It's right. still, um, you know, it's... it's uh, this is bad, and, and race is even worse, I think. <laughs> yeah. Once again, when we revisit movies from the 80s, we find <laughs> all kinds of problems. Uh, and I might include the, the clock tower. Why, why the fuck does that clock tower need so much goddamn money? Yeah. It's broken. Doesn't it just need signatures to say, hey, let's keep it and not bury it? See... At any rate... Yes, uh, I'd, I'd, go ahead. I really... I was 
you know, I spent the entire time I was watching this, this most recent time thinking, thinking, are they trying to say that history doesn't change? Like nothing moves on in history? Because that's a great mm-hmm. point. I'm all with that. But, you know, it's, you know, it, it just seems to be an excuse to cast the same actors again to, 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 you know, avoid having to come up with a new idea for something. And to have bits. And to ha- and to have bits, and so you know, I sort yeah. of wonder, like, you know, at what price does this kind of um, does this idea that you know uh, we can move on fifty years in time and everything's still the same, like, right? Like, it's it's a good sci-fi science fiction kind of idea, but mm-hmm. it's it's also an excuse for a lot of um, you know raking over old ground. Yeah, and you can even think about the original to that, you know, sort of the butterfly effect. If George McFly really did, you know, uh, give give a good clocking to Biff, would they be in that house that they that Marty grew up in the whole time? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at any rate, we're we're uh, just getting started with Back to the Future too, everybody. And uh, give us a moment. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back to uh, talk more about this fantastic, silly movie. Right after this. Look, people, we're living in strange times. We know that, don't we? Of course we do. People don't even know what to do with themselves. We're getting stir-crazy. Well, get outside and get yourself some great food, I say. You need to go to Slater's 5050 and Point Loma's Liberty Station. It's time to treat yourself to booze, to beer, to burgers, and more. They have their full menu, people. Their full menu, I say. How many restaurants do you know that are doing that? Most places are doing a quarter of their menu, probably. Some might be doing a half. Maybe a few have got three quarters of a menu. But Slater's 5050 has their full menu, including their signature 5050 patty. It's half ground beef. It's half ground bacon. It's 100% delicious. What more can you possibly ask? Worried about social distancing? Well, it is in place, people. Tables are separated and the staff will always be seen wearing masks. You're out of excuses. Get off your keister and come on down to Liberty Station's own Slater's 5050. Indoor dining available. Outdoor dining available. Bring the family. Bring your dog. Come enjoy the normal again. Good day to you. I said good day. And we're back. We're here uh, talking about Back to the Future 2. We were talking about uh, the ways it it, uh, is successful and is not successful. Uh, Tom, one of the things I want to talk about, because I think the one thing that this movie does so well is, um, you know, we're in three time periods. We're Mm -hmm. in... 2015, we're in 1985, we're in 1955, and it's all fully realized to me, each one of those, you know? Um, Say what you will about the believability of the future, uh, the hellscape of (laughs) the current 1985, um, but they are fully realized, and I think that's one of the things that makes the movie so successful. How about you? I think that's actually one of his biggest problems. Sorry to sorry to be <laughs> sorry to be Siskel to your Ebert there. Um, but, <laughs> um, I, the 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 big problem I have with this movie is how segmented it is. It's like one we we're in the future, 
and then we get out of the future and then we're in the the alternate timeline and then we go back to the 50s uh, and it's it's sort of like it, it it's there's the lack of coherency is something that um kind of troubles me a little bit about about how this works sometimes well, what do you mean and like well a, in what way is it not coherent um well because you know it's it, the it just we're out of the future in like 30 minutes right okay and that you know and uh, and then we're back in um in uh post 2016 america also known as the 1985 alternate timeline yeah right the 1985 <laughs> alternate timeline in which by the way uh biff is the 1985 biff is uh one of my notes was uh i found a thing where um he based him on trump yes on donald trump yeah it's kind of like it's 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 using trump as the kind of mr potter of 80s america yeah um which again is something else that the the back to the future got right about the future correct um I but take I, a little issue, though, with, with the lack of coherence, I, at least from this aspect. Uh, Carl Sagan says this is the best time travel movie of all time. Right. Because and of the consequences. what does he say about the photographs that disappear? Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure he commented specifically <laughs> on the photographs that disappear. And, they, but, you know, they, they, they double down on all that kind of hokey stuff, which is all for the audience's benefit. And that's fine, but... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, come on. How can you get mad at it? Don't be a dick. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not I'm not mad at it it's just you know it's um uh I I think it's it's interesting that the movie just goes full pelt with its choices and I do like that aspect about it um but I you know I I just feel we're constantly to use a uh, a driving term we're constantly changing gears and sometimes I think <laughs> those gear changes are a little bit clunky okay um, well I that I agree with yeah I I think from a writing standpoint there's a lot of just messy shit in this movie. You yes. know, the idea that Biff um, follows them in a taxi cab, gets into the <laughs> DeLorean, manages to figure out how the DeLorean works, yes. comes back, like all of that. And and the other thing that really bothers me more than anything about this movie is nobody notices anything. Mm-hmm. You know, Marty's in the back seat of the car. He's talking on a walkie-talkie at full voice, and yet yeah. somehow Biff can't hear him. He's jumping off, uh, you know, down a, a flight of stairs, and Biff doesn't hear him. But, like, the amount of shit that goes on in this movie where people just are oblivious and uh, you know they, they, they sort of cover themselves because they do, like, as with their, you know, their own... Um... Uh, but it's so weak, self, you know. It's it, it is self-aware. They do reference their own plot holes. I think the great one, which yeah, we'll, they do. We'll, I'm sure we'll go back to, is uh, Doc Brown sort of saying, "Oh, he went back. Biff went back to this exact date on 1955. You know, is it? it maybe it's the nexus of the universe, or right. it might just be. It a might just be a yeah. It might just be an incredible coincidence. And it's a nice, you know, it's, you realize that the screenwriters are, are sort of, uh, you know, they're cognizant of their own plot holes, even if they seem powerless to do uh, much about them. Um, right. Which again is like a, it's an argument that that they never really wanted to make the sequel. Um, Right. I think I think the whole second half of the movie shows that they didn't want to make this sequel <laughs> because <laughs> because they, we're you know you're really sort of you're not adding anything new to the pot except camera angles 
<laughs> well, and that might be another area where Back to the Future Two is ahead of the game. I mean, uh, yeah. it's like it's it's the DVD bonus material. You know, watching the movie from an alternate angle has basically I mean, the second half. For of the me, movie. that makes the 1955 stuff all worth it because it's so. To me, it really is truly fascinating to see it all from different angles and really with the with the current Marty. Oh, I find it tiresome. Oh, I, I find it very interesting. I, I like all of that. Um, I don't. I don't need to know that that they were like hit with sandbags. That doesn't add anything to my, um, to my feelings about about the, the um, the first movie. You would prefer that they got hit by something else. Well, no, it, but if there was like some, re- you know, some sort of revelation, um, you know, other than that, uh, I feel it would be kind of worth doing. But but we don't. In, in a way, they're trying to preserve, they're trying to play both sides, where they're trying to preserve the integrity of the first movie by not by not retconning to anything too much. But then, mm-hmm. you know, then it's like, well, why why make the second part of the movie that adds absolutely nothing? Um, I think the time that they actually succeed with that is the ending of the movie. We're skipping ahead a little bit. But um, Marty running back, you know, you see the end of the first or a, a climactic scene from the first movie. And then, it, then you know. You oh, this is like the greatest ending ever. Point. It's it's so fantastic. Which is that Marty runs straight back in. Yeah. After having just left. And that that is. that That's, that's pure gold. You, but before okay. that, it's just a bunch of, you know, uh, the the principal reading, you know, drinking, um, drinking whiskey and reading Penthouse or Sex Ooh, la, la. Magazine or whatever it's yeah. called. Well, what do you think about um, the addition of Elizabeth Shue? Um, I, I remember like watching these movies back to back, and I definitely thought that 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 the they were casting up in terms yeah. of the like the actress from the original. Um, having done that, they do so little with her right. that it's beyond insul- insulting. Well, and this is the problem with. <laughs> And you referenced it earlier, the idea of like, why'd you bring her then? Yeah. You know, because <laughs> well, they never wanted her in the car. They didn't want her in the car, but she had to be in the car. Right. Um, because she was in the car at the end of the first movie. Yeah. Uh, but there are moments, you know, with what little she has. I just love what Elizabeth Shue does. I, yeah. You know, when she uh, she has a move where she gets into the closet where she's looking around that just delights me every time I see it. And when she sees herself and faints, I made a note like best faint ever. I just yeah. like I'm old and she cross eyed and falls down and Doc catches her. It's just fantastic. And we all you know, we also learn how good uh, uh, Michael J. Fox is at. at um you know, this kind of proto uh, nutty professor playing all members of his own family. family you yeah, know? It's yeah, like, yeah. I feel like I'd rather see that again and again instead of Eddie Murphy doing it again and again. I agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the performances in this movie are, are top notch. Um, uh, but um, is it time to is it time to talk about Crispin Glover? <laughs> the fact that he's not in it at all. And yet they're trying to make out that he is still in this movie. Yeah. Fascinating, because and... I did not know this until I was researching right. for, for this podcast. I had no idea that it wasn't him. Um, it's, ethic- for those that... it's a very ethical gray area. Yeah, for they... those that don't know, um, Crispin Glover uh, 
was not being offered the same amount of money as Leia Thompson, and apparently their roles were going to be about the same size in the movie. And uh, there was some back and forth, and you know he had asked for this, and they said no, and they, and he also didn't apparently like the ending of the first movie um, because he thought that um, the McFlies became too material, so he wanted um, he wanted uh, you know consent, he wanted uh, story uh, you know story approval mm. apparently, and they said no, and he said fine, and then they tried to get him back with a little more money, and he's he, apparently he got new representation or something like that, and it all fell apart because they asked for more money. And, he got, uh, he so, got that agent that George Lazenby had that told him to leave the Bond franchise. That told him to leave, yeah, yeah, exactly. So he wasn't in the movie, and they just did another actor and used... Um, Jeffrey Wiseman. Yeah, they used, they used uh, you know, face moldings and uh, gave him makeup that made him look like Crispin Glover. He ended up suing the producers yeah. and winning, yeah. I, I, it's, unthink, it, you know, it's unthinkable now. Um, but it really, really is. Were, yeah, they were trying to con you into thinking Crispin Glover was still in the movie, and you know, for for it, it's only in the last few years that I've realized that they did this. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's really shady. It's a really shady move. I mean, it's strange, isn't it? You know, and it's, it's funny and- because when you connect it to the idea of the first movie, they shot uh, whatever I think a full six weeks. Um. With Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And uh, they just thought it wasn't funny. It just it wasn't bringing the funny in the way they want. So they recast it and reshot the whole thing. And it just you know, when you consider that, it was like there's there's a lot of funky shit happening on the making of this move these movies. And there's definitely there's there's precedent to deal with it in a in a in a way that that isn't so much uh, about deception and you know denying someone. Um, you know yeah. their intellectual property uh, on the um the godfather when uh, richard castellano wouldn't return as clemenza exactly the same situation he wanted um uh he and his wife needed to have approval over the right over the story and every line of dialogue oh wow um, yeah and but they you know they replaced him with a with a a, 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 a similar a similar kind of character who was just completely different uh, Frank Pentangeli but he you know he was playing the same right. role but it was an entirely different characterization and that's definitely what they should have gone with here mm-hmm. however they did that I mean we have a at the end of the <laughs> the end of the movie we have a brand new George McFly I think the audience would accept a different a different if not you know um, similar actor playing him right uh, yeah right so it's another. I think it's another reason in which, which this movie kind of uh, suffers a little bit because you know they didn't get that full complement of cast back, which, as we already know, having done this series, is like the death warrant for any. Right, sequel. and it and it changed the script. I mean, they had to change the whole script based on his not being in it. It, it, it and but I mean, and we've talked about this before in terms of Superman's mother as well. I do like the fact that that Biff uh, comes to the center of the story in a way that I do perhaps too. wouldn't before. And the funny thing to me in rewatching all of these movies is it occurs to me that, um, what's his name? Thomas F. Wilson. Yes. He might be the best goddamn actor in the whole series. Huh? He's interesting. so he's great. good in he's, these movies. He's really wonderful. He's and fantastic. He's asked, to, he's asked to do a lot of different, uh, character types. Yeah. Within this one, within this one, um, kind of body. 
It's really interesting performance. Oh, it's so much fun to watch. I just think he's fantastic. Yeah, no, and and um, it's it's uh, the cast is just on fire throughout. I mean, we we I started this by quoting like a guy who's a bit part who just says, "I think they took his wallet," and he right, just says yeah. that he has two lines in the movie, and he's he's completely unforgettable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got more out of that guy. They, they, and he's they, the only new character. I wasn't right. joking when I said he is the only new character in the yeah, film. They wrung so much out of that sponge yeah. for just just the you know the same line basically repeated several times. Yeah, which is kind of a metaphor for what what the movie is, and I think it does that. Um, you know, I I think I think it's it's totally on the fence as to whether it made the right choices to 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 not offer something completely new. Um, as I th- I think you can argue the third one does that. It offers yeah. something distinct. It does. The, it's a completely different movie. So. While we're wrapping up here, you know, we're talking a lot about this movie. I, I really need to understand you, Tom. Yes. Why is this a bad movie that you think is the better sequel? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, well, um, the the reason I think this is this is. Did I say I said it was a bad movie, right? Okay. You yeah. said it was. The reason bad. I think I, I think I think it's a bad movie is because it's it's stitched together. It's it's a stitch. It's like th- it's three. It's, you know, it's it. There's there's no continuity. There's no, to my mind, plausible continuity between these three little vignettes that make up the movie. Um, and that makes it to me like feel like a stopgap. It's like, well, we'll go here and we'll go there and then we'll come back to where we were originally. And I, I just think that's not a film to me. Like well, if, uh, if it okay. was made today, it would be like a um, like a I don't know what you call it, like a, a Internet prequel or something. Mm-hmm. All the things <laughs> you're saying, I agree with. <laughs> and I agreed with in 1989. <laughs> When I first saw it, I thought, oh, that's such a stopgap movie. Yeah. Um, and I didn't like it nearly as much as I do now um, right. the fir- on the first viewing. I agree with that, too. The reason I think it's the better sequel is... Um... Yeah, talk to me about that, buddy. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully that will become clear when we do the third movie. But just as a kind of <laughs> preview of that, um, I think it's it's because it's less of a novelty um idea like okay. it's 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 uh it's a be- it's a better sequel because one it's it's doing the work of a sequel and it's doing it in a kind of self-aware way where it's commenting on what it's doing while it's doing that and so i think that makes it a better sequel you know and and we and this is a we did jaws last time and mm-hmm. jaws you know, is talked about in the movie. I think when Marty goes into the future, Jaws 19 is playing in 3D. Um, and so it's very clear that, like, uh, that this movie is is trying to think about what sequ- the, the place of sequels in cinema. Right. Um, I, I just don't think that amount... And so I think that's it's a more interesting um, experiment 
that is more artistically satisfying that, that you would think failed <laughs> but okay but but it's not but it doesn't amount to a film i was like i think this would make a great straight to video um piece you know like piecing together uh one you know the the the, the different ends of the trilogy but but it, right. it just doesn't um it doesn't speak to me as a film I, I, like when it's over i was like okay so we got through that Let's get on to the Let's next get part. to the end of the story. Yeah. That's yeah. how I felt when I first saw it. But to me, that's why number three is better than number two. Well, yeah, but but three, it, uh, yeah. But um, yes, I, I, I just, I think, I I mean, I, I think as the, the other problem is, is about how three doesn't deliver enough in its own right for what it's trying to do that makes it a bad film. Oh, how dare you? I th- I feel I feel like <laughs> by, I feel like part 2 is is firing on all cylinders in its weird kind of let's do a self-aware sequel that um, in its own haphazard know, that, that, way that uses the re you know let's a twist on the sequel being exactly the same as the original and let's see in what different ways we can explore that. Then it's firing on all cylinders. I I, I, I don't <laughs> I don't think the third movie is is the sort of post classical Western parody that it wants to be. I don't know that it's trying to be a parody, but of course we're going to get into that uh, on our next episode. You know what's interesting to me? We got to wrap up here. Would you like to hear they the, uh, the filmmakers apparently uh, made taglines for every Jaws movie sequel? Oh, that, they did. That exists in this in this universe. Would you like to hear them? I would love to hear them. So uh, apparently Jaws 3D uh, was a new dimension in terror. (laughs) Uh, We know that Jaws 4 uh, was, uh, this time it's personal. (laughs) Jaws 5 uh, apparently was just business. Jaws 6 was (laughs) was pure pleasure, uh, suggesting a romantic subplot. Jaws 7 was uh, Cyber Jaws. Jaws 8 was Robo Jaws. A spoof of RoboCop. Jaws Nine, <laughs> Jaws Nine featured Chief Brody's grandson, grandson assembling a super team of shark hunters. Jaws Ten was man versus shark versus all the terrors of the deep. Jaws Eleven took place in outer space. <laughs> Jaws Twelve was a prequel. Jaws Thirteen was Jaws Twelve Part Two, a sequel to the prequel. Jaws 14 had Jaws starting a family. Jaws 15, Jaws battled a Russian shark named Ivan Sharkowski. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. We had uh, Jaws took a bite out of the Big Apple in Jaws 17. And 50 scales of gray, Jaws learns about love from a mysterious stranger. <laughs> Some of those are alarmingly close to the sequel that I pitched. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, <laughs> I swear oh, I did goodness. not know about those before I pitched that sequel. I think How? I think it's just you know, I think uh, robots and out of space they're gonna it's gonna happen eventually. It must in any franchise it's it's gonna go robots, aliens, and out of space. It has to. Yeah, it always has stand up in space. Fast and Furious is going there. I swear. Oh yeah, they mark my words. They will be stealing something with a space shuttle soon. 
All right, wow. ladies and gentlemen. Well, that is it for Back to the Future 2. If you've got a comment, if you think we've missed something, find us on uh, Facebook or the Instagrams or the Twitters. Uh, give us a little shout-out and tell us uh, what we missed. For Tom Stewart, my name is Michael Schantz. This is the Everything Sequel Podcast. We'll see you next time for Back to the Future 3. To be concluded. To be concluded, exactly right.